that was satisfying. The open, the sip, almost as satisfying as the fact that today's episode number is finally 69. We've made it. We have to stop now. Just yeah, we can't go past it. We have to end on 69. We've peaked. Can't go beyond that. Had some people request it, but just can't force it. You just got to let it happen. Nope. Just go with the flow. Organically, so Let things happen as they will. Whoever's Full available on. at the time just gets the honors. So before we get into today's guest, welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me as always is... Evan World. And before we get into having Evan introduce today's guest and letting this thing go wherever it wants to, uh, make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Drop a comment. Let us know what you think. Join the conversation. Uh, check us check us out on podcast services if you're not watching there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Check out LoneStarPercussion.com. Use the discount code AGEDOUT at checkout. Save yourself $10 on any order of $50 or more. Everybody wins. That's all we need to say there. Uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. I think I hit it all short, sweet, to the point. Evan, let you take it away for this amazing historic episode. <laughs> for and sure. We'll go with it. For sure. So fortunate to have another awesome uh, guest with us that we have not really talked too much prior to this. Uh, we were all three in the same room several times or in the same building several times or near the same stadium several times. But haven't really had a chance to, to get to know this guy uh, until tonight, so we're looking forward to chatting with him. But without further ado, uh, joining us from California is Manny DeLeon, and I hope I pronounced that last name right, because as I said it, I realized that I didn't ask you. So, what's up, dude? <laughs> what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. How's uh, You're in Bakersfield, California? Is that correct? Yeah, Bakersfield, yeah, the armpit of the state and hot as heck here. <laughs> Oh, how dude, what's the temp out there? Uh, average for the last, I, I'm going to say four weeks straight, has been about 105. Gee, like heat index dude, or actual a... temperature? What was that? Heat index or actual temperature? Oh, actual temperature. Holy crap. Yeah, there are some days they hit like 108, 109, but then it'll flutter down to like 100, but the average is like 105. Sounds miserable. I mean, it usually gets pretty warm here in kentucky where we are but i'm not gonna lie we've been pretty blessed it's been like 82 83 like highs every day yeah today was like 80 (laughs) it felt amazing outside we hit like uh spring to fall somehow i'm not really sure what's going on it'll probably be blistering hot in the next two weeks but (laughs) we'll see man but but, uh yeah honored to have you on um been through a lot of different groups which we'll talk through but first we'll just kind of let you take it away like how you got into to music, into drumming, like into the activity, people along the way that inspired you or kind of put you on the path, man. Oh, wow. So we're going to take it back. Um, yeah, we're going to go back. <laughs> All right. Uh, if we want to go that far, uh, man, I got into music when I was like, yeah, I was fourth grade and I got in a concert band, and they just renewed our music program at my uh, elementary school. Like, it didn't have a music program for decades. And then uh, the guy who came on happened to be a drum corps alumnist. Uh, He came on to be the band director. He marched bass drum for Star of Indiana. And, uh, yeah, so I think it was uh, the 93 year where they won gold with a... I had like a famous cross in the in the drill or whatever. Dude, he was in that show. Year. Yeah, that's the year he played. I I want to say bottom bass on like a thirty-two inch bass. 
Um, big drum. Yeah, he was on. He was on a big boy, and so he came on, rejuvenated a new music program, and I was playing concert snare. <laughs> but that's not really what got me. You, you guys are probably gonna laugh at really what got me hooked into drumming. Because uh, I went on a hiatus, I was like, ah, you know, music's not for me. I'm a little, little dumb little kid who just wants to like play sports. <laughs> But come, uh, so I went away from it and come seventh grade, he was still there, the band director who marched out of Indiana, and he, he thought it'd be a good idea to start a new indoor drumline program with the junior high. And uh, the way he thought he was going to hook people in is by going out of town on big trips. And he decided to rebuild the program and go to Las Vegas for the WGI regional with a new junior high. And so he came up to me, knowing I had been in the concert band playing concert snare. He's just looking for drummers like, hey, dude, so we're doing this new thing. It's called Drumline. And uh, I don't know if you're into that stuff still, but we're going to go to Las Vegas. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care what you just said before all that. Uh, I just heard Vegas. I, I know I'm only in seventh grade, but I want to go. <laughs> so that's really... <laughs> That's really what got me into drumming was just a trip to go to Las Vegas for a WGI regional. <laughs> and the rest is Dude, history. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, man. I swear that's like the biggest part. My, my, my wife teaches middle school band too. And I swear one of the best recruiting or retention tools she has is telling kids like, yeah, we take fun trips. We go to Chicago or Atlanta or St. Louis or something like that. The kids are like, yeah, we had such a great time on the trip. She's like, yeah, see, band is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why that's what did it for me. Because I mean, I, I was just going off of like you know stereotypical things from movies, and I'm a, I'm just this dumb little kid. It's like, yes, Vegas, I gotta go, even though like drumline meant slots. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like 12 years old. <laughs> so junior high drumline, how many, like, of you were there, and like, were you guys like? Just from the ground up, he's like, right now we got to learn how to mark time, and now we got to learn these like exercises. And like, was it just high school band light? Oh yeah, it was actually kind of serious, uh, mainly because of that band director I was telling you about, who marched out of Indiana. He he took it very serious. He was very old school, and so we we were beating our hands to death. We learned how to mark time, how to crab march. We did legit drill and we were playing our flam drags, paradiddles. Like we were somewhat serious to the point where when I got into high school, I was playing harder stuff in junior high than I got to high school. Dude, <laughs> Dude that is hilarious. <laughs> Your high school instructor is probably like, I owe someone lots of beers for training these kids for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because cause honestly, I did not plan on keeping it going because I knew getting into high school, I still had it in the back of my head that I want to do sports. So, But then I show up and uh, a friend of mine who was in the drumline in junior high said, hey, I'm going to do it. Just show up to the audition camp before band camp and see if you want to you know, maybe give it a shot. And I show up just, you know, reluctantly thinking like, eh, maybe, maybe not, you know. But as soon as I did the little audition, yeah, the drumline instructor was like, wait you're how old and you're playing all these rudiments and stuff like uh i guess you're on snare <laughs> so that's the secret. dude. that's like it's like the california way man like start them young these kids get these kids get in these programs that have junior high programs and then they get to high school as freshmen and they can already mark time play the exercises that most people learn their freshman sophomore year it's, it's just like it's just an incredible situation that 
is I think mostly unique to California. I don't think a lot of the country does that. So, which is awesome. Yeah, I know like Southern California, that's like, especially now over the last five to six years, it's become huge, you know, digging deep into all these junior high kids. But this was like 2002, 2003. And I'm like, what is this? Like, it, it felt so alien. Like, I didn't see anybody else doing it at the time. And now it's like, looking back, I'm like, everybody should have been doing this. I have a friend, uh, Joe Avery. I can't remember which school he was at. If some, I think he said it was Clovis, Clovis West. Oh Clovis, yeah, Joe Avery. Know. Yeah, Clovis. One of those, and he was telling me about the structure, and he was like, "Yeah, man, I have this like seventh and eighth grade percussion ensemble that I teach, but every day, I think it was said it was called like zero hour. Like before school, all my kids show up, and like today we just spend an hour working on eights, and then next day we spend an hour working on triplet rolls. Next day we work on flam accents. I was like, dude, if I had that, if we had that around here." Like, okay, I, it makes sense now when you see, like, Chino and Isle and Arcadia yes. and all these groups that are just, like, throwing down. <laughs> it's just priorities and time put in. The, the oh, kids do you are guys not to... have that there? No. Seventh like, and eighth guys... grade? Per... No. No. And six, here, <laughs> around here in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade band, there is one director, and they teach all the instruments in the same room at the same time. The only thing, there's no, like, well, there's rarely, like, middle school percussion ensemble or anything like that the only time you would probably get extra knowledge is if you take private lessons yep which is fortunately i did and probably helped me get a leg up but yeah there's no like middle school percussion ensemble or indoor drumline for middle school or junior high or anything like that around here oh dang man yeah it's i i just kind of gotten used to it seeing it in california <laughs> yeah but it makes sense. That's why there's all these monster programs out there, which is fun for me to watch. <laughs> I'm like, damn, these high school kids are throwing it down. Let's go. Yeah, like half the time I love just looking up clips of just the high schools, not even looking at like independent world and WGI and whatnot. We've said it on here so many times that that, that impresses us more to watch like 14, 15, 16-year-olds throw down more than it does to watch BD or like Blue Coats or Cadets throw down over the summer. It's way yeah, more impressive. Like it, it's expected like yes you're, yeah, you're, yes <laughs> like i pulse better be clean like mm -hmm. you better be clean like, when <laughs> yeah. i when i come up and see chino or whatever wherever this eric shriver's teaching these days or any of those schools or some of these texas programs i'm like this is abnormal and it's awesome um but anyway so seventh and eighth grade you're getting your hands beat learning get to high school you said all right i guess i'm in here when was your like i guess first exposure to like indoor or outdoor dci wgi besides like what you had known so far actually even just going into high school my junior high instructor he tried like i don't want to say brainwashing us but he definitely made us watch all kinds of film and stuff from old school dci and whatnot and then getting into high school it it was almost like i was part of the train that I was running through trying to get everybody else to know about DCI and WPI and whatnot because everybody else was coming from such different backgrounds than I was and didn't really have a clue. Like the only thing most people around me knew was like college band, like Fresno State University or something, you know, nothing like actually difficult, you know, just party bands. <laughs> was RCC as big of a thing at that time as they kind of are now like now even like rcc college band is pretty well known i would say but 
At that time, no. They were like right on the beginning because like that was, uh, I believe it was like the Sound of Silence or whatever show, like 2003 or 2002. Like that's when like they got their real big like push and that they started becoming what they are today. Are you talking about Indoor 03 RCC? Yeah. Was that the yeah. Manifest Destiny show? The gold? Uh, um, Was that when they were in the gold uh, outfits and they like slide moonwalked across the floor? Oh, like, that was he, that was 2000. Four or five. Okay, okay, dude. That's yeah, stretching, so, my, stretching my memory back. Oh yeah, that was oh five. That was two thousand five because that was also the charter year for Pulse Percussion. I saw both of those in Vegas. <laughs> dude, I forget that Pulse was around in oh five. Honestly, uh, I looked it up earlier because I was trying to do some research and background on like shows and stuff because I knew you were coming on. But I was like, Pulse was around in oh five, and then I was like, Oh yeah, because. I think that Eric was in the inaugural Pulse. He was. Show. He was. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah. There was actually a, a lot of names in that show that nobody would really know about unless you really dug deep and and found that footage. <laughs> and they they played with the uh, the headphones on the earmuffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. MCM did it a couple years ago, and people were like, "Oh, it's so cool!" And now I was thinking, I was like. Pulse did it in 05. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It ain't new. So what core, like, was your drumline instructor, like, pushing to you guys that he admired or funneled to? Oh, well, definitely. He had an East Coast vibe, but it was always, because living on the West Coast, Blue Devils was always the go-to. And I, I was sent off, like, over the summers with... Uh, pages of old blue devils exercises to play in my off time um but even though that was always there what happened was in my uh 2004-ish like freshman to sophomore year for me in high school i got a bunch of footage from a new tech that showed up on our scene uh that introduced me to santa Clara vanguard and it was the 2003 like Pathways show that just blew my mind and Ramrod and the drum break and all that stuff just like changed me. And I was like, Blue Devils who? Like <laughs> I, I like I instantly just fell in love and wanted to play on a tilted drum. I wanted to let it swing. I wanted to play with all this emotion. Like it just blew my mind that that was another way to play. Dude, Vanguard from '97 to like '0304 is. Some of my favorite drumming ever. It's so good. It's so good. I just love the beats. I love the way they played the drum. I love the way they tuned the drums. Like, there was no hiding. Like, it was clean, and the drums sounded the way they wanted to sound, and they were not going to, like, if you ticked, it's like, I don't care. I, I have this, this drum is super exposed because it sounds good this way, so you guys are going to figure it out. Um, I just love that stuff so much. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what I also love learning about them is, like individual sound quality and your presence and your responsibility for contributing to this sound, like rather than let's just make a drum line that sounds good and we'll hide players that are weak. And you know, like they didn't play that game. Like you're saying. They did not tune to hide. <laughs> Dude, the stuff was yeah. crispy. Whew, those top heads must've been up there. And you can't say that's not the case today. I mean, you hear it all the time. It's like, obviously not every player is created equal in any drum line and drum corps. And you just, you can hear 
the way certain snare lines are tuned and everyone's done it on various years depending on talent level and just what they're going for and stuff and that's something that was really is an old school thing like in the 90s early 2000s i feel like so many groups just like didn't care it's like nope we're gonna tune this way because it sounds good and you're gonna play well now it's like all right what do we have to do to kind of and i get it it's competitive i totally get it but yeah that's one of the reasons i respect those groups from that era so much yeah definitely i completely agree so you got hooked you got the the vanguard or is it jones jones and for the jones uh, <laughs> yeah the jones <laughs> uh, um so then was that in 07 your first summer was that the first place you went or is that the first audition you went to oh the deal i got there? a i got funny stories to come for uh auditions um <laughs> yes perfect so okay so come my sophomore year of high school 2005 uh a friend of mine was in the snare line with me at my high school, told me he had heard about an audition coming up for drum corps to go play down South. And it was gonna be, you know, really chill. They have like days off where you can like still like have a normal life in the, in the city. But then once they go on tour, then you're on tour. And it was Pacific crest 2005. And the center snare for that line was, uh, Matt Regua. Oh, okay. Okay. That was an all-star snare line that more, I think like 60 to 75% of them all ended up being in Blue Devils like the next year. <laughs> That's fun. Dude, Matt's like a, he's like a BDRCC icon. Yeah, exactly. So we show up, we're 14, 15 years old and just thinking like, oh man, we're going to do this. This is going to be amazing. And uh man we're our hearts were broken once we show up and it's like <laughs> there there's seven rude awakening yeah seven veterans there with only one spot open we're like wait what what <sighs> like we thought we we're about to start our our new future in drum corps like we we had a hard set on that summer and we were only sophomores in high school <laughs> but then we go in and we we made it to like the last couple cuts like there was only like five guys and we're, we're all fighting for the last spot and uh unfortunately we didn't get to march uh obviously we were young and naive but then the next year my junior year in high school i uh decided i'm not going to go down that path because i was still kind of like a blue devil path um i ended up going to vanguard cadets uh, in 2006 and i yeah I, I made the snare line up there up north uh in 2006 and it was, I wouldn't say it was an easy audition, but it was because everybody's so much younger and they're all, it's almost like every year at that time was like a rebuilding year. Unlike nowadays where even like the open class cores are like playing ridiculous and like, it's almost like you're auditioning for a world class with some of these open class cores. Back then it was still like kind of easy to make it and rebuild. Right. But yeah. That's where I went in 2006. And then my senior year of high school, uh, I made Vanguard Pro 07. Nice. That was the Eureka? Yes, that was Eureka with uh, Mike Jackson as caption head. So that was like the part two of like that three kind of three year series, right? Or something? Yeah. Yeah. The first year was uh, 2006, uh, Moto Perpetuo. And then yeah. Eureka. And then the next year after that was th called Three to like end the three show segment it was like the number three h r e or something like that yeah and that yeah, entire yeah. show was 
built all around threes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys yeah. played a lot of threes. Yeah, and that's like, like even to the to littlest things, like, all right, we have to have nine snares because it's you know it's divisible by three. It's funny how all... should have had six quads. Just kidding. <laughs> no, no one should ever do that. No, never. Well, I mean, uh-uh. we did. <laughs> oh, seriously? Wait, really? We we had six quads in two thousand. Oh, uh, yeah, in that year, two thousand eight, we had six, but it was supposed to be five quads. But they couldn't decide between the last two guys because they were that good and that close together in playing ability. So they said, "Screw it, we're gonna go six. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have at the end of the day. Yeah, but and then it still worked out where yeah, ninth snare, six quads, like we're all divisible by three. And then six five, bases? seven. Yeah. Uh, no, there was five bases mm. still. I mean, I I don't ever see it hardly ever successful with more than five bases. <laughs> Groups have tried it. It tried and <laughs> yeah, they've uh, tried it. Um, that oh seven summer, you got to go home for finals, kind of uh, go oh, back to Pasadena. Yeah. yeah, finals after finals was done. I think it was like an hour half to maybe two hour drive to just go home. That's how that's how both my finals were. I'm two thousand ten, yeah. two thousand twelve. Louisville is two hours from Indianapolis, so oh, snap. I like my first summer was nuts. Like finals happened. We performed, loaded the truck back up, got my stuff, put it in my parents' van that was in the parking lot, went to retreat, whatever, came back and was within two hours after retreat was in my bed at my parents' house. And I was just <laughs> laying there like, what the hell? This is so weird. Yeah, like, like snap you were just of a finger. on tour. <laughs> yeah, the snap of a finger, it was all over. And I was just like back to reality. Moved into my college dorm room for my sophomore year. The next day, we'll have to backtrack back. <laughs> but I, that's a good that's a good point. Like waking up the day after tour, or like when you finally get back home and you wake up and you just don't have to get up and do something that you were just doing for 90, 80 straight days, and you're like, yeah. oh man, this it's a weird feeling. Very weird. yeah, your clock your clock is all messed up. Yep, I remember. I, I'm a similar to Mike. Like I live about three hours from Indy, three and a half. And I remember Saturday, both both summers I marched Crown. Saturday after finals, I got up. I think we stayed in a hotel in the after finals, and then with my parents, then drove back home. But both years, that Sunday after DCI finals was move-in day for college band camp. So like. I went that Sunday and moved into my dorm, and then I woke up Monday morning for like college drumline auditions. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were pretty good at our college; like we were better than most. But still, it's college. So like, I woke up. I remember, I think it was 2010. After my second summer, I was like, I'm just, I'm just gonna sleep through the morning block. Like you guys can audition <laughs> the rest of the line. It's fine. I just, I'm gonna go to sleep. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> but uh ryan dude i stood next to ryan galasso at college uh my f- for a couple years that i was there um and got to know ryan really well and we always used to play a bunch of vanguard stuff because he marched there and i was still yeah. like learning just random crap at that time yeah ryan's a good guy i'm i i freaking love like i haven't talked to him in a while but man i love that guy 
I saw him not too long ago because uh, he got married and drove through, but we'll, we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> so, um, 2007, go out, Mike Jackson, uh, oh, had your yeah. first summer, stood on the Mike, end. I mean, and it, uh, man, it it's kind of crazy to say it, but that was my favorite, not just summer, but it might have to do with my age at the time too, but my favorite season, indoor included, of just playing and performing. Ayo. That's a bold yeah, cause like, Yeah, because it, it was crazy enough that, like, I almost feel like that season was, like, a new era was, was being attempted by Mike Jackson for young kids coming into, like, high-end... Uh, cores individual groups however you want to say it because like of an eight-man snare line for instance there was i i want to say there was five or six of us were all seniors in high school wow yeah dang yeah in that snare line there was uh two kids from mission viejo high school in socal that were mike jackson's students there was uh nathan medina there was me (laughs) nate Who's that? Yeah, <laughs> who's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good old Nate Medina was in there too. Yeah, me. Uh, yeah, and there was another kid, uh, Rustine. Uh, he was in there. He was. He might have might have been a senior. I don't know if he was one year older than me, but yeah, we were all super young, and there was only uh, two veterans in the snare line. And uh, yeah, so he was taking a risk going on young kids, and I don't think anybody had really messed with that yet because. A lot of people were still into the, you know, seniority, veterans. You know, that's what's going to get this line moving. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then, and it, but it shows itself because we, (laughs) funny to say, we were pretty bad all season long. (laughs) Like constantly, like if there was five uh, world-class cores, we were probably fourth or fifth in drums almost every show like like we were never doing well in drums until the very end even though we didn't do well like on the scorecard like we played our asses off at the very end and it's like we it's like we couldn't tick almost like at the very end like we just clicked that's what you finally yeah yeah the right time yeah we peaked right at the very end and so like sometimes even to this day i'll still go and look up those old school i mean i guess you can call it old school now because it's been like 14 years um <laughs> yeah we're old uh, we get it yeah the the old vic firth videos with the you know those <laughs> janky music little intros and the cuts to them in the lot you know yeah the bass riff, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah those lot videos and i'll still go back and look at them just to hear those beats and it's like we couldn't tick it just felt right like oh man but it's just like i guess that was just a testament to our age it just took an entire summer to finally click and it always happened at the it all happened at the perfect point at the very end yeah man i went back and rewatched just obviously because i knew you were coming on with us today but i rewatched some of those lot videos and that 07 stuff where like there's all that snare feature it has all those like buzz pressure like shifting back and forth in between the buzz and the double strokes like i was like dang dude, that's hard <laughs> but yeah, that actually, was really really cool that was introduced to us in uh, i want to say it was like the like two camps before we even set the line like mike jackson pulled us all aside like hey this is what you guys are fighting for i got this snare solo that's gonna have this cool little thing in it like and he was expecting that to be like 
I don't want to say groundbreaking, but like, you know, moving the needle on different things to come for the activity. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like he was really trying to, you know, uh, hook, line, and sink us into getting, uh, you know, really excited for the season. Mike's always trying to do something new. He's always that guy. He's always had a unique style. He's great at what he does. It's funny to hear because I marched for him in 2012. It's just funny to hear he was doing stuff like that back in 07. I mean, 07 was only five years before that, but you know what I mean. I think oh, yeah, exactly <laughs> like I'm, I'm still I mean I'm a sucker for a Mike Jackson book and like mm-hmm. all and luckily he's still doing his thing out here in SoCal and I I'll always try to find time to go uh, see them in the lot and see what he's got cooking yeah Broken City's always a good experience it's all they have I, I don't know the lot what was it 29 they won in 2019 right WGI yeah they won yeah so that like, was the yeah Evan and I were in that lot, their finals lot. And I was like, that was, it's just an experience. Just like the Blue Knights, that, Blue Knights group he taught was an experience. Yeah. It was a full was – it wasn't like, just like there's their exercises, there's their book. It was like a performance, and it was a whole, whole package of an experience to watch. Just incredible. Yeah, like I didn't even know it was a thing back when I was marching under him in 07. Like, yeah, like you're saying that experience – it's like it was a show within a show within a show at yeah. all times because like he wouldn't let us in 2007 on or in the lie he wouldn't let us do like multiple reps really he'd be like hey we're gonna do this show segment max you might get to do it twice max like we're just gonna yep. you're gonna take it from here to here and are you gonna run the opener you're gonna run the closer and it's just you're performing now in the lot and then we're moving on. Yeah, blue blue coats, same deal. Yep. 2012, we did one rep of each thing. That was it. He's like, we're n- we're not rehearsing. Like this is just a warm up. You get a run through. It's a performance. The lot was a show, and that it's a mentality thing. He's so good at the mental, the psychological, like the psychological. That's a word, right? Psych- the, psych- <laughs> the, the psychological part of it. He's so good at it. Managing members' mindsets and just their state of mind. It's just so good. Yeah, I mean, it's a testament to him when he's doing it with like eighteen-year-olds, seventeen-year-olds. Oh, you know, yeah. like, to, yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, and like, I didn't know there was a mind game going on until like I walk away from the season in two thousand seven. Like, holy crap! Like, if this is a uh, what is the movie? Get him to the Greek, and he's like, he did. He's running down the street saying, "I just you know mind f you." You know, like that's a mind f right there. Like he was getting us there without us even knowing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, oh, and man. you guys, uh, I think people forget too that Twitch was like Inception and introduced it Vanguard before it was a Bluecoats thing. Oh, yeah. We were just like, the, about, we were the posers. Are you talking about the the one EN exercise, like the singles, like cha cha chum, cha cha chum, cha cha chum, cha cha No, it was the the flam stuff. And then, uh, uh, and then at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the end of that exercise. Yeah. That was the end that of was... the singles exercise that I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, we had our flam exercise, and I've heard him, yeah, kind of like combine multiple things nowadays, but like we played some ridiculously long exercises in 2007. Like, I, our eights exercise, I think we only played it at like two tempos in the lot at finals because it was so long and it's an eights exercise. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like Dude, that... playing eight, eight, 
yeah, I was playing eighth notes and then like hemiolas and then ending on a shot on the end of one at the end of the exercise just to be cool. Like we weren't Sounds even right. ending on it. Yeah, we weren't ending on a downbeat <laughs> for an eighth exercise. It was kind of uh, strange. Oh man, dude, two thousand eight and like when I went back two thousand eight two thousand nine too when you were at Vanguard the exercise pack and I was like, man, this is daunting. Just going through that. I remember the first time I heard that Flash Gordon Henderson exercise, I was like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> yeah, 2008 was very, very interesting for as far as lot set up and playing and exercises. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't I don't know if I can learn the I don't know if I can learn the audition book here. <laughs> There's too much going on. <laughs> Dude, that Flash Gordon Henderson thing tripped me out where you do the the quarter note in the right hand and the all that stuff on the left. I was like, dude, this is well, like blowing my mind right now. Do you know Go from 2009? No. <laughs> okay. Then I'm going to have to look it up. Your mind. Oh, gosh. Um, so there's more to it. 2008 was just the start. <laughs> <laughs> there was a part two. Yeah, 2008, okay, uh, if you want to talk about exercises like Flash Gordon Henderson, was a, an interesting start for uh, Murray Gussick's exercise package that he was also introducing into uh, Tap Space, his company online. So, like, we, we started with some cool exercises, yeah, and, like, Flash Gordon, and uh, uh, there's another one called, uh, it's escaping me, uh, Where's Flores? Where's Flores? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and I, I, as far as I remember, the story was Flores was somebody uh, from like a friend of Murray that from back in the day, and it was kind of like an ongoing joke or something, something along those lines. I don't want to butcher the story on the past of this exercise name, but yeah, like he had some interesting names, interesting exercises, and it was kind of just the start in 2008. He like he was kicking off some cool exercises, and they would also be introduced on uh, Tap Space to be purchased, and so we were kind of like you know just putting them out there. Um, but like in 2009, we had an exercise called go and it was supposed to be an exercise that this was the end all be all exercise. You could, if you needed to play just this exercise and then go to the field. So like, if you like showed up late, like the bus broke down, it's like, all right, we can get off the bus, get our stuff, play this one thing once and then we're good. Yeah, exactly. And he, because he also wanted to, like, same idea, like you just said, but say if it's also at a rehearsal and we got to get to ensemble and we only have 15 minutes to warm up, it's like, well, we're just going to play this one exercise because uh, a two uh, beats per minute change on the metronome could dictate two to three minutes of playing. Dude, I just found this on YouTube and I hope this is not just one rep, but it's 11 and a half minutes long. <laughs> and it's go. Is it go? Yeah. Is that uh, how that long it might, is? It might be it. Oh my gosh. It starts <laughs> off with the quads just playing eighth notes on like the one or spot drum. I can't tell what's going on because I have a music. Like, yeah, it's a there's a lot of hand independent oh stuff gosh. that happened in the beginning and at the end, and a lot of uh push pull with the right hand, push pull with the left hand, metric changes, then going into like simple stuff like uh pugadas, like uh switching giggles, like a bunch of exercises that kind of combine into one. It that might be it. What you're watching? <laughs> <laughs> Watch this later. Yeah, I'm dead. Hey, send me that link, Evan. Send me that link because I want to see it. I'll send it to you, dude. Speaking yeah. of like Moeller, you guys like in '09. I remember 
because the Allentown show, I think we went on different nights and we housed really close to the stadium. So we were able to go watch the lot the first night and then we had our show the second night. And I'm pretty sure that you guys went on the first night and I went to the lot and I was like watching everything going on. I was like, dude, this like, and I remember Ryan very specifically working so tediously for 08 and 09 on like the molar technique because you guys actually i feel like are probably one of the only groups that truly played molar everybody else just does like (laughs) somewhat a variation of it it's like yeah that seemed like you even yeah even pulse didn't play straight molar we we called it molar-esque yeah right yep but that vanguard stuff seemed like i was like dude this is i don't know if i could ever do this (laughs) <laughs> yeah because like we i mean there was definitely a, a learning experience from that like that we still implemented even at pulse was like sometimes it can get in the way of you know being very very good at playing fast notes and whatnot and you know like is this ever going to get in the way you know playing full-on molar and so it's like a lot of things changed to molar-esque and being very strategic about what technique are we actually going to use <laughs> right that makes sense, uh, because like the like a true molar has such a like a niche like application that like you're not gonna play like a full out double stroke roll and think about it. I guess being like true molar, but maybe if you're playing like some hand to hand like crescendo accent, like like singles or something, yeah, that's when you you apply. At least in my like East Coast brain, because I'm so East Coast minded. <laughs> I mean. So. I mean, we did the we did the diet molar at Bluecoats in 2012. I mean, they had, had that. They probably still play some very version of molar with Roger in charge there. But yeah, I, I've seen videos of like breakdowns of the molar technique, and I, I just I was like, yeah, we kind of did that, but it was just enough to allow us to play the hand to hands in time. That was basically the extent of it. So you would you say like? diving into that style of like a molar technique helped unlock like different ideas as a drummer, just like different concepts that you were kind of like, Oh, I don't know if this is possible, but now like that I understand this, I can maybe like push the bounds on what I can do as an individual. Oh, absolutely. Cause like going back, I told you like I started off with kind of a East coast Midwest slash blue devil strict way of playing before i actually entered the vanguard world and then even when i was in 2006 vanguard cadets we didn't play with molar really at all even though i was in the vanguard cadets like we played pretty straight up you know everything begins with the bead and ends with the bead you know it doesn't start from the wrist you know or from the from the uh from the leading hand it actually would actually start from the bead still you know so then when i got into like 2007 through 2009 it was just like oh wow like there is another category that I that I can you know broaden my horizon on my you know ability to play certain segments of music and soloing and whatnot that I just blowing my mind from the start with 2007. Nice, nice, nice. I uh, I want to make sure too we hit this before we we move on to like any other ensemble that you've been in, Pulse and Blue Devils and stuff. But you are probably the first person that we've had on that competed and also definitely one uh solo and ensemble what was that i know 2008 was that your first go around at it uh actually no <laughs> you would probably have to 
dig super deep to find it, but I did an I and E in 2006 with Baron Cadets. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna find it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can on YouTube because, like, I remember the Vanguard website them putting it online in 2006 with, like, you know, the whole like uh, heading, you know, it says Baron Cadets and my name and all that stuff. But I don't know if I actually ever saw it on YouTube. 06 was it. pretty early <laughs> for YouTube stuff. It. Yeah. It was there. And YouTube it's, existed, but it wasn't like a mainstream thing in 06. Yeah. And like pro- even. Probably on LimeWire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even then, like 2006 might have been my first year ever doing it. But at the same time, it wasn't because I really wanted to do it. It's more like I was, you know old to do it by you know like other members and uh one of the like the techs like hey dude we see you fiddling one around over there on the side like you should really think about doing an ine and then like even i think at baron cadets in 2006 i got like i know it was like 16th or 17th place in ine uh and i i was kind of shocked i was like i thought i would have been like you know bottom of the barrel <laughs> i didn't think i was even like hardly placed if you want to say it that way <laughs> <laughs> Do that many but, people? I didn't that even, do that many people do I and E anymore? I feel oh, like I wow. and E is like not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, I was going to say I and E is like fall. It used to be a way bigger deal than I feel like it, it is now. It was like up until I want to say like oh eight. Like I and E was like flourishing, and then yeah. it was like cores just started falling off and putting way more emphasis on like no finals week. You know, we're trying to place. You know, we're this is what's important. We're not going to take time away. To go, you know, have a half day vacation for I and E, you know, like so many people care less about I and E. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like we were not allowed like to do it, so no one from Crown ever did. Um, actually, I think cadets were the same way, bosses the same way. They just didn't let people do it. They actually almost took it away from us in 2009 at Vanguard. Oh wow! Were you? Yeah, got- it was. It was. It was pretty rough. I yeah, I have some stories to go along with that, but. Uh, <laughs> Where where did yeah. Vanguard finish in drums in 09? I don't remember. Oof. Oof. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to say probably like 6th or 7th. <laughs> All I know from like that year second. because of being really good friends with Evan is that Crown was second and BD was first, controversially, personally. But uh, Yeah, because I think, I think even Phantom was up there like in 4th or something, like even though they had a kind of an off year. Um, um, yeah, Phantom was a little off, and then Bluecoats were probably... No, they weren't. Mm. 09 Bluecoats wasn't 2000, the best. What were we talking about, 2009? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you in 09. two seconds. He's looking well, it up. Too, but... I know Bluecoats yeah. beat us just because uh, Nate Medina was in Bluecoats while I was at Vanguard. He's <laughs> <laughs> rubbing it in your face. <laughs> well, yeah, because we were buddies. We marched together the last two years, and then I was center at Vanguard in 09. He went to Bluecoats and had a bunch of fun, and was beating us in, he was beating us in drums while having a smile on his face <laughs> that that sounds about right for the blue coats experience yeah <laughs> uh finals night vanguard was sixth blue coats were fourth cavaliers were third um phantom was fifth yeah I see to, i knew they were up in the mix i need to go watch cavi's 09 i have no memory of, of them even because the show wasn't very good obviously exactly. they existed in 09 but i like they got but jim casella was there so. oh, that's good mm, casella jim casella went cavies good to, times would that uh, be year of the gawk blocks on the snare drums uh 
I think that was ten. I think so. They did that great divide show. No, no. Or the the got block was the show, the two thousand ten was the Mad World show. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. 09 two drums. Got block. Yeah, I think two. so. I don't remember JP Gagazo was in that one. Yeah, twenty ten yeah, was yeah. the Mylar heads for Cavies. That's the unique mm. thing they did that year. The two sets of snare drums. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so like when you're when you're putting together like I and E. Is this stuff you're like writing out, or is it just like, oh, I have this lick that I've played, I'll put that here, and then lick B that I know will come next, and lick C. Are you actually like putting pen to paper, or are you just kind of like going off of like, this is what I'm going to do? Oh, well, when I... Uh, okay, uh, I have to take it back a little bit. So like in 2007, uh, we weren't allowed to do an I&E uh, in, at Vanguard, and I remember Mike Jackson being upset about it, uh, because we did a a test in 2007 to bring us out of our shells and make us better performers. So he told everybody, I need you guys all to make a 30 second solo and we're all going to play it for each other. You're going to be in the spotlight. We're going to go onto a separate field and you're going to play for your fellow members of the drum line. And we need to get you guys to, you know, emote, you know, stop being so in your shell. And we did it. And I was the, for some reason, maybe because I was on the end of the snare line, I was the last one to go. And, you know, my mem- my uh, fellow members, they loved it and everything. But then Mike Jackson pulled me aside. And he's like, "Hey, you need to do an I and E." And I'm like, "Uh, okay." But then comes at the end of the year, they pull it out of under us, and we're not allowed to do I and E. Oh, and no. so right after that season, though, in 2007, taking his words, I was like, "All right, if he told me I should do it, you know, I really look up to this guy. I'm gonna start working on some stuff, you know." And so then, like in the off season, I just you know here and there, you know, a couple twenty second. 20 second licks here and there, you know, maybe jot down a lick. And then I, I kept, a, I started keeping track of stuff in a, one of those black and white composition notebooks. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and then I brought one, brought one of those in 2008, starting in 2008 was my first time taking one on tour. And so like, if anything ever came to mind in the beginning of the season, I would just jot it down on the bus. Cause we also had a, a tradition in Vanguard of, uh, it's weird to say, but the center snare every year was in charge of this is, if their light is on in the bus, you're practicing. And so, nice. our, yeah, so our bus was always loud, but then I would take that time to like, okay, if I have to play, you know, I'm going to be jotting down stuff, working on I&E stuff. So I got a lot of practice in the beginning of the season on bus rides. But yeah, that's really how like I, I started. So in that, in that 2008 summer was, I've seen the video, you go in for I&E, there must have been a pretty hefty following of fellow Vanguard core members because they were loud. Uh, they were giving it up. It, it seemed like every phrase you played, they're just like roaring. I'm sure like Jeff Prosser yeah. said, like, right, shut, shut up so I can listen. Uh, yeah, they're definitely my hype crowd for sure. Um, and then even that year, our six-man quad line did a, they won the ensemble uh, INE like against Pitts and whatnot. Like, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, 2008, I it's funny enough, it never got put online. But Murray Gussick was asked by Vic Firth uh, when they showed up with cameras to get a couple players to go into a small room and start their rudimentary uh, lick segment, you know, and talking about how to get better at things. And one of our quad players did it. And then he knew I was working on an e so he brought me in it. And we had to be on camera and talk about like, okay, you know, we're, I'm going to show you how like I break down cheese fives or, you know, Swisses or some, whatever rudiment it was. And I'm going to break it down for you. And then they also heard that I was working on an I and E 
and they filmed all that I had up to that point and then never did anything with it. <laughs> no. But yeah, so like I had some early segment stuff in 2008 but never saw the light of day and then Murray is the one who blew my mind on how to revamp the idea of writing an INE. And he sat me down and said, "Hey, like you kind of have all these sparse licks that kind of like don't really connect like you need to have an idea that flows from beginning to end, no matter what. Like, it can have a beginning, a middle, and end, like a book, or you can, you know, phrase it like a show, like a piece of music, an actual piece of music. Don't just go out there for three to five minutes and just ram licks down our throats, you know. You need to piece this together like an artist. And that's where he really changed my mind on how solos should work. Like some motif that gets revisited. Yeah, either uh... a motif or... I, I don't know, some kind of emotion or a sound. I, it doesn't even have to be the same rudiment. He could, it could just be a click or, you know what I mean? It didn't matter what it was, but it had to really connect somebody to, a, to the beginning and the end of your solo. Because so many times before he said, I've seen it a million times. People will just go wash out beginning and you never hear anything about it. And it's just because they were just ramming notes. Sure, they were great players, but nothing happened from it because it wasn't a good piece of art. Right, right, right. There was nothing that, as a a judge or a spectator, that you could come back to, like, oh, I see what you did there. Uh, some type yeah, of the, clever thing. And the I, with all that knowledge said, the biggest thing that helped me was he said, "Less is more." And then he asked me what the minimum time amount I needed to have an I and E was, and I believe it's like three minutes or two and a yeah, half maybe. minutes. And he was like, "All right." that's what you're shooting for then. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, I was thinking like four, four <laughs> and a half minutes or something. He's just like, no, less is more. Get in, get out, do your business, and you won't have them sitting there, you know, yawning and drooling because you're just ramming notes. Dude, that's how I feel about, honestly, modern drum corps shows, too. Um, <laughs> I almost said the same thing. <laughs> so freaking long. Uh, and to that, to Murray's credit, too, I've watched so many INEs to where you get three and a half minutes in and you're like, all right, I'm ready for this to be over. Like, cause at some point, whoever's judging you, whether it's like a Jeff Prosperi or something like you may think you may see like one, maybe two new things that you've never seen, like a chops thing. But overall, like you're like, yeah, like this dude's a killer player. I've seen this before, but he's a killer player, but I've seen it before. So like that's how I feel too about like modern drum course. Like, can we just like get rid of ballads altogether? <laughs> like nobody goes to the show to watch the ballad. The ballad I feel like is on the field. Spoken like a true drummer. I feel like the ballad is on yeah, the field because a the joke right there. I know the, so many brass judge, players the that like, are like freak we want to see your artistry. I'm like, no, no, we don't we don't care about that. <laughs> I know so many brass uh, players that are just like all about the ballads. It's just like the best part. Uh, yeah, different they worlds. Get to breathe and not different move. worlds. So. Yeah, definitely <laughs> different worlds. Um, actually, a funny joke about 2007 to 2008. Well, I want to say a joke, but uh, it was funny for me. Is in 2007, like I told you the backstory with uh, doing solos for uh, the other members in 2007. Uh, Mike Jackson pulled me aside, said you need to do an I and E, but he also said you're gonna do an I and E this year, and you're going to win. And I was like, what? Uh, okay, whatever. You know, I didn't think anything of it. And then in 2008, after I won I&E, he found me in the Vanguard lot. 
uh, I think it was semifinals night or something, because that's also when the ceremony was for INE. He found me in the lot after we were uh, done with our book segments uh, warming up and pulled me aside and he just started shaking me and looking at me like, I told you, mother effer, I told you you were going to win. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you called it. <laughs> Mike Mike was at Vanguard through 09, right? No, he was only there 06, 07. I thought he was there 08. I don't... <sighs> no, he was supposed to be nope. because mm. he was brought on in 2006 as the new caption head uh, writing the book for the battery while uh, escapes me who wrote the pit book. Um, was it Brian was Mason? Brian right? Mason. Who, who was that? Brian Mason. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So they were both separating writing the pit book and the battery book for 06 and 07. But there's definitely some cohesion issues going on. And then also we weren't doing that great in drums. So, you know, there's some politics involved. You know, I don't want to go into all that. Um, but, yeah, so they let him go in 2008. And Mason stayed on to write uh, everything. He wrote Pit and Battery. Right, right, right. Yeah, so the Murray – and they asked I, Murray I know, to come back. We know Brian very well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they – he was able to keep his coast – cohesive idea going into all the shows and uh they brought murray in to take over as caption head and just teach you know he didn't have to write anything and just do all the exercises so he murray started back up in 08 interesting interesting yeah we know mason because he was the director of percussion at moorhead where mike and i went to college Um, yeah and that's how all the ryan and sean ryan uh, sean all them go on all the connection but so before this thing gets like too long winded too, I do want to talk about your decision and you, you March Vanguard on Oh nine. Then you decide to go to BD for 2010. And I'm sure there was a lot of decision-making that went into that, but also touch on that as well as just the shift and going from how you guys were playing at Vanguard to now the stylistic changes is at the blue devils and what that was like yeah it, that was pretty extreme like <laughs> i there um okay uh there's a lot of i don't want to say drama involved with it but the whole going from vanguard to blue devils it started with indoor because i had gotten the call from nate medina <laughs> to go join Pulse Percussion in 2009 because it was right after the 08 Vanguard season. And I was like, all right, cool. Sounds like an awesome time. Showed up. And during that season was also during the camp season for DCI 09. And Vanguard was not used to that. They were not used to members having to like be at shows during the WGI season or working around schedules for you know WGI finals or anything. Like It just wasn't a thing for the drumline yet. And as late as it sounds, 2009 was the first year they were getting a taste of indoor WGI. And, uh, yeah, that that definitely uh, bumped some heads. And they were not willing to deal with that a uh, second year. They gave an ultimatum in the off season before uh, WGI even started for the next year. And they said, okay. Uh, they called me up. Uh, and we had a long conversation about, okay, what do you want to happen? Uh, we want you back, obviously, but 
we cannot have these uh, schedule conflictions ever again. You know, we want to be number one, you know, in your eyes and in your time, we want to be number one. I'm like, well, I can't make that happen. You know, if this is the schedule for WGI and I want to be in pulse again for the 2010 season, you know, I want to really put my, and I don't want to put my eggs all in one basket, but I still want to give them the time that they're owed. You know, I can't, and they were like willing to, uh, give me the ultimatum of, okay, if you have to miss a camp for a WGI show, we don't want you here. Wow. Dude, that sounds so crazy it's now. So archaic. I, in <laughs> yeah. this, and obviously in today's time, like that would never happen because no. groups just, they don't want to lose great members. Exactly. And they understand. Plus, like, this is my opinion. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but camp season for DCI is not for the members once you're contracted. It's no, only for no, the designers not to figure all. out if something sounds decent, what they put on paper sounds good in real life, or this or that. Like, as a member, you going in for a day, two days, we'll say, Friday night, Saturdays, Sundays, maybe two days worth of work is useless for them to take off another 30 days from playing with the people next to you. Completely useless. It has no impact um, on the outcome of the season from a performance standpoint at all. Yeah, it's only for designers, and they can understand the intent that they put on paper with 10 snares or four. Doesn't nope. matter. So, like, it, that's just an outdated model, which I know people did, and I've heard stories like what you just told me, but that just seems like, it just still blows my mind. It's like, oh my god, you're so stupid. Yeah, like, <laughs> I couldn't believe they were telling this to the center snare slash captain of their drumline for the next season. Like, you're not talking to, like, some, you know, first year or sophomore in the in the core. You're talking to a three-year veteran who's going to be your four-year veteran in an age-out. And you're telling them they have to make a a choice to either try to just like say goodbye to a almost an entire weekend of shows or being competitive with an indoor drumline like that didn't make any sense to me it didn't compute but yeah you would never yeah. tell like a principal uh clarinet player for the chicago symphony it's like oh uh, you can't you can't go to this uh show this weekend because we need you it's like no they, it's another ensemble you just they no you would yeah, like I'm drumming, sense. like I'm drumming, I'm getting better. Like, so it's not like I'm going on a vacation. Like what? <laughs> it's still in the same ballpark. I'm still doing the same thing. Right. Um, yeah. So that's where the drama oh, happened. Brutal. And I was like, yeah, I knew I had to make a decision. And funny as it sounds, buddy, Nate Medina was in my ear saying, Hey man, you know, you can come to blue coats. Uh, and that was actually almost what happened. I almost went to Blue Coats in 2010. Um, and uh, but then I took a, uh, I don't want to say a month, but it was a good while of like you know soul searching where I'm like, all right, I, this is my age out. Like I have one opportunity, and then I went back to my childhood. And I'm like, okay, I always wanted to be a Blue Devil when I was a kid before finding Vanguard. This is my opportunity to see is the grass greener on the other side. You know, I'm going to go full 180 and do the exact opposite of what I've been doing the last three to four years. And that was like my whole decision was just I'm going to do the exact opposite. Just also as a learning experience, I want to see how does the other side live, not just go have a good time and, you know, have fun with my buddies, you know, that I've already know and marched with. Like, I'm going to go somewhere that I know nobody you know, and just see what I can make happen and see how the other side lives. 
And I'm sure Scott <laughs> and them were like, yeah, I'll go to WGI finals. We don't care, obviously. Because like, oh, yeah. probably like half yeah, the obviously. snare line is in like RCC or something. But they were actually, because they didn't, uh, I mean, obviously, they didn't know I was coming to auditions. And they all had peculiar looks on their faces when I showed up. They thought I was there as like, I, it's weird to say, they thought I was there as a joke. They they had to have they come up and talk to you like what do you, yeah they pulled me aside after because uh, I mean the Blue Devils cut system is pretty drastic like they set the line super fast every year and uh, like after day one like the snare line auditions were already like cut in half we did our individual auditions and whatnot and they pulled me and like even though I did an individual audition with my solos and stuff like that most of the time was spent talking because they're just like okay why are you really here like what is happening on the other side of the pond that we don't know about you know so i had to you know spill my guts and let them know what was going on with the drama and just like this is going on i'm not i'm seriously here because they were all still giving me the looks of like are you trying to punk us like why is the center snare from santa clara vanguard at the blue devil audition um right yeah so yeah that at once that was all washed aside and you know and then like i was trying to you know adapt to the new technique of playing i had nobody to help me it was so weird because all i had to go off was was videos and so i would just like you know in the weeks leading up i'm just like okay i pull up some old uh, videos of budos from the last two or three years because also i there was a slight change in the the bd technique from like 06 through 09 you know like there was some uh snare techs and whatnot but i in so many words i went extreme and almost did it comically where i'm like i'm gonna go like super aggro on these angles and i'm gonna be super stiff like i have no (laughs) other way to think about it i'm just like i'm gonna be as stiff as a rail and i'm just gonna play what I think kind of looks like a robot, you know, like I had no real clue how to play their way. And it, but it turned out that that's what they were looking for. I was, I found it kind of funny in the end because there was even a couple of times where like, uh, one of the snare techs or Scott or somebody was just like, Oh yeah, see the way he's doing it. That's what we're looking for. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I, like I was kind of taking this as a joke because I didn't know how to play <laughs> like, that's like you guys. <laughs> Dude, that's how I feel like I would do it if uh, if someone asked me to try to march like the Cavaliers or I guess now current Vanguard like style of marching. They do like the bent leg. Like if they're like, show us that. I I would probably in my mind take it to the extreme. Like, all right, I'm gonna like act like I'm making fun of this and then do that. And then yeah, exactly, that's kind of what I was doing. <laughs> And then they'd probably be like, "Yeah, that's that's what we wanted," and, and I'd probably be like, "Oh my gosh, I thought I was like, <laughs> I thought I was like trolling you guys, but here we go." Yeah, I I didn't want to be a troll. It's just I didn't know. I didn't really know because it was an audition process too. So it's like no one's helping me because it's an audition, <laughs> you know. So I'm like, how do I make this happen? You know, I don't want to get cut. You know, it's my age out. <laughs> I feel like you could have found somewhere to march if BD hadn't worked out. Yeah, just, uh, just yeah, a hunch. probably just a hunch <laughs> with the with yeah. the ability to play fours the way that uh, you probably I don't know if you still can, but got some of the meanest fours in the West. <laughs> meanest fours in the West. I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Hands smooth like butter. That's um, the only way to put it. 
So uh, summer ended up working out. Uh, there with BD killed it. I don't think you guys lost a show that year. Um, um in, I think that. Oh no! So yeah, the entire four we were undefeated. Yeah. But uh, yeah, didn't win drums that year. But that's no, okay. um, we Phantom. we we started losing drums in Allentown. <laughs> I think it was. Phantom was pretty clean, but yeah, they were decent. Yeah, they were okay. <laughs> yeah, um, they were all right. <laughs> Uh, but I guess to end here, or like to like the last kind of subject, I'll talk a little bit about indoor. We've we've glossed in and out of it. The Pulse thing. You spent many years at Pulse. Oh uh, nine to twelve, right? Yeah, oh nine to twelve, uh, performing and then teaching from thirteen to sixteen. Okay. So, honestly, for me, my favorite show out of all those years was the oh nine show, the Breathe show. I just I love the soundscape. I love the the vocals. I I love everything about that show, uh, including like the hand painted tarp. Uh, oh classic. man! Oh gosh, but, that season with paint was terrible. But that show was phenomenal, and I think that really started to catapult the ensemble in like an upward trend. Um, fourth place that year. Then it was obviously 2010. Painstakingly enough for me to say gold, even though I. Can't uh, <laughs> I can't I cannot argue it at all because Wait, were I think you the in the 2009? I was not in 09. Um, okay, because I I, I remember that X. also that's also started the newer relationship uh, Pulse to X with like the Centerville preview show thing in Dayton. Dude, yes, the Centerville preview show. All right, so before we talk about that a ton or Pulse a ton, the Centerville preview show, for anyone that doesn't know, and if you don't know and didn't experience it, I'm sorry, um, but the ex-staff, Tim Fairbanks and them, and Mark Worth, they obviously taught at Centerville, had close connections. They would invite programs out to the high school to get a run-in before WGI finals. So everybody's in Dayton. They come in. They flood the city for finals, prelims, quarter semis, whatever you call it. Um, and they had what they called the preview show at Centerville High School. I think it was like Wednesday before Thursday quarterfinals. It let groups get like a run in. You kind of got to settle. A lot of groups, obviously, like Pulse, just traveled from California. And 2009, I think, was the first year that they came. But then in 2010, it got crazy out of hand. Um, oh, 2010 was so much fun. Dude, the gym was just absolutely packed to the brim. Like, yeah. standing room only. And it was like, Rhythm X was there, Pulse was there, United Amachi Percussion, was there. Amachi was there. I think Chino Hills came, Arcadia. I, like, it was just like, and it was free. You could yeah, go to the show. You could go out in the parking lot, and there was a ridiculous amount of semis. I'm like, this looks like WGI Finals lot. <laughs> right. And so, like, everyone got to do their show for, like, the other groups. And everybody was doing, like, pre-show or, like, on-floor warm-ups. Like, Rhythm X played loose. 2010 Pulse played Banished Beyond's Circle of Life. They did, like, a whole production <laughs> for it. They had, like, yeah. a stuffed... They had, you guys had, like, a stuffed Simba... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ...that you brought out. Yeah, that was good. That was a lot and of then, fun. And then WGI got pissed and we're like, you guys are attracting too much traffic and detracting from our ticket sales and this and that and this and that. So you can no longer have the preview show. Oh, is that what really happened? Because I never heard what actually happened. 
Pretty much. I, I don't know that for sure, and I won't put those words in anybody's mouth, but through conversations that I've had, um, I pretty much intuitively figured out that WGI was not happy that so many people could watch all of PIW's like medalists and percussion scholastic world medalists for free. <laughs> not buy tickets to the show. Minus MCM. <clears throat> uh, yeah, well, they, yeah, they weren't welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was pretty funny because like we since we were so new to being at that obviously that previous show in 2009 with our breathe show. I forgot who it was. It might have been Emily Daniel Jones or somebody who came to us in our trailer with a couple other drummers and just said, hey, it's you and us. We're taking them down. And you're like, you know, uh, we're going to squash them skeeters. <laughs> and I was Dude, like, what the, are you talking about? That's the phrase. That's <laughs> yeah, I was the like, phrase. I didn't know what was going on. I was so new. Were they like the West Coast newbies? It was my first year in DWGI. And I was like, skeeters? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> Watch the skeeters. <laughs> Squat them. Dude. I, dude, those were some of the most fun times. I remember watching uh, the 2010 show for you guys, and I was like, we're going to lose. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, just knew. I was uh, like, Ugh. do you know, uh, or do you have a relationship with uh, Joey Martinez? I do know Joe Martinez. Joe, yeah. uh, he came to our. Rhythm X rookie talent night, which I don't think exists anymore. But well, I would he hope came, not. He came to rookie talent in 2010 when I did my rookie talent for Rhythm X, which I will not divulge on this conversation. Um, <laughs> but he was there at for some reason at Rhythm X's rookie talent night, and that's where I met him the first time. And now I in 2010. I yeah, in 2010. Yeah, because it was 2010 that he came. Because obviously I'd already made Blue Devils during that time and um i was marching with him he came and divulged some like not really inspiring information he's like yeah you know i spent some time with uh x you know saw some of the rehearsal stuff you know they're gonna win and i'm like oh god why would you tell me something like that i'm you know you're really messing with my confidence here because <laughs> he like he saw like everything about your show and he was he didn't want to go into too many details but he, he spilled some beans and i'm like oh no X had That's the best funny. show that year, I think, but uh, did not. Yeah. Play, we didn't play the best. Did not play the best, unfortunately. Yeah, I want to. I want to say as far as just a show, general effect, excitement of just watching a show. I would say Pulse was maybe in the top four, not first place, but just it was just we just played our asses off. That's you were all so that clean. Happened. You're undeniably That's clean. That That's all that happened. <laughs> I think that that show set a standard for what WGI lines could achieve from a clarity standpoint, and it's just launched into that direction ever since. Like 2010, it was like, oh, you can be this clean and indoor? Okay, oh, well, that's a new yeah. standard. That was definitely a talk that happened in 2010. We like Early season, we brought in some names that like in the teaching staff that sat us down and said, hey... WGI has gotten a bad rap for a while, you know, that you can get away with a certain amount of dirt, you know, like, eh, 25% dirt in the show is okay, and you can get top three, you know, that kind of thing. And they were like, no, we're going to break that mold. And I'm like, uh, all right, well, this is barely my second year in WGI. Well, Hopefully that happens. <laughs> 09X definitely contributed to that uh, that right there because oh, every, yeah. every time I hear somebody say, Touch was an am amazing show, amazingly well-designed show drill music all of it but 
anytime anyone tries to say, and I'll say it on here publicly, I don't care, like how clean they were, I just kind of give them a side eye. I'm like, R- really? There were like multiple breaks and like this. Really? Like, this show's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, okay, you, I, I obviously didn't see them live because I was there performing with Pulse. But I mean, on camera, on YouTube, it's like, uh, I probably don't see any of what you guys are talking about. Uh, I know it's there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we hit on everything I feel like we wanted to hit on. We've been going for like an hour and 13 minutes. Time flies when you're having fun. But uh, Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. It's that long. (laughs) Dude. it's crazy because sometimes I'm like I could go for another thirty minutes, but I don't want to. I don't want to like do that to people listening or or value oh, your yeah, time. Like, we appreciate it. So I almost said for yeah. a second I was like, we need, this is almost one of those where it's like we need to have a part two to talk about your like <laughs> teaching experiences and where you've taught and all that stuff and just more <laughs> stories that'll come up. But usually those are the good podcasts where like oh we didn't get to everything because it's just so much cool stuff just came up and good stories and blah blah blah. But we try to keep it to an hour, but uh, whatever. Who cares? If it's rolling, <laughs> yeah, well, luckily, you just let it roll. Yeah, luckily, hopefully I'm not, you know, I, I don't know how I sound on a podcast or a phone call. It <laughs> Dude, you, it's been fine. People. It's been smooth <laughs> and great. This, this has been a good episode, a solid Love episode it. 69. So, Oh, God. <laughs> All right, let's, before we say anything stupid, let's wrap this up. So thanks, everyone, for hanging out all Quickly reiterate some spiel. Lone Star Percussion, discount code aged out. Save $10 on the order of $50 or more. It's a great deal. Helps everybody. Social media, aged out podcast. Hit subscribe. Join the conversation in the comments. Uh, podcast services. I got nothing else. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Manny, this has been great. We'll see everybody next time. Peace. See ya.